and Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, Now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Welcome back to episode 38 of the Trap Draw. Randy, what's up, man? Hello, Tron. We're split up. The Hurricane Dorian has... Um, I, I wish we were sitting on the couch together, but we're not. Me too. It's uh, you know, it's kind of brings us back to our roots, though, with the, the tin can, string, you know, poor audio. We'll try to... Ho- hopefully, it's, as, it's an improvement over what we've had in the past but we like to think we're making chicken salad these days but, but yeah i mean we'll see 38 episodes in man this is uh this is getting real yeah i feel like we're uh, we've got some momentum going too for sure yeah. we're yeah. we are we are in the open field you know bucking our heads you, you can you can go ahead and cancel christmas <laughs> um well, talk to me. What's the scene in Jacksonville like, real quick, with the with the hurricane approaching? What's the what's the latest word? I'm still, you know, this this hurricane's allegedly approaching. Uh, it's moving about one mile an hour right now. Uh, getting some passing passing storms at the moment, but yesterday was we were under a mandatory evacuation all day yesterday. People were surfing out of the beach, going to the bars. It was it was truly Labor Day. You would have loved it. So are you heeding the mandatory evacuation or no? No, of course not. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I was going to send send Alex and Freddie over to over a little bit west of here, uh, just get off the island over to Gainesville. But um, it's supposed to – they're pretty like 98% sure it's going to be about 60, 70 miles offshore now. So should be fine. If, if worse comes to worse, we can pop over across the ditch and, and you know, figure it out from there. But um, Yeah. But, but yeah, I've had my mom's been, you know, Peggy's been wanting us to to evacuate since last Tuesday. So, um, you know, it's been a it's been a long process here. I bet, I bet. Well, I wanted none of, I wanted nothing to do with Dorian. I was, uh, I was in Durham, which we'll get to. I was in Durham, North Carolina. The U.S. Senior Am wrapped up, and I kept looking at the forecast. And I was like, "Why well, I don't, I don't want to drive home like just to like get in the middle of this hurricane." So, I bailed and drove up to Cincinnati, and I'm riding it out at my uh, at my parents' house up here. So, Godspeed down there. You're, you're kind of uh, you're, you're kind of the whatever the opposite of the designated survivor is. You're, you're like the you're the only man in, in in the storm right now from no laying up. So. Yeah, it's, yeah, we got Solly in England, Neil obviously in New York, going to the U.S. Open. Uh, DJ's rolling over to Tallahassee, and then uh, and then yeah, you up in Ohio. So I'm just here. I'm actually I'm actually guarding our uh, guarding our H and B fall 2019 <laughs> stuff. Which this this episode of the Trap Draw is brought to you by by Holderness and Born. Um, we'll get to that a little bit later. We've got plenty of uh, plenty of stuff about to hit the shop in our store, and then. Um, just going through their their fall stuff and and even into spring 2020 got a preview of that a couple weeks ago from their florida rep will hall and it is some heat so we'll get to that a little bit later in the episode but um 
but yeah, I think we're both still riding high off of uh, what was just an emotional roller coaster yesterday with the Corn Ferry season finale, finals finale at the United Leasing and Finance Championship up at Victoria National. That was a that was a, a mouthful. That yeah, that's a lot. Evansville, Indiana. You know, right on the Ohio River, Southwest Indiana. Which Southwest yeah. Indiana, they were they were advertising like crazy on the telecast. Uh, yeah, you know, just big things happening there. I guess uh, they must. Yeah, I was gonna say they must have big plans. Um, I've never been to Evansville. I have to admit that. But yeah, it was a great day of golf. I was, um, you know, Twitter's an echo chamber, of course, but it seemed like most everybody I follow or most everybody showing up on my timeline. I think everybody was really into uh, the Corn Fairy Finals, and it's. It's, it's cool to see. So, um, yeah, I posted up on the couch, watched it all day. It was uh, it was a great time. And I think the, the course played a little bit easier than what we were maybe looking for or maybe hoping for. Um, but at the end of the day, I think there was still disaster lurking at a lot of turns throughout the week. So, you know, it was I don't think it was the carnage that we were that we were expecting. But at the same time, it was. It seemed like it was a pretty damn good place to to hold a season-ending championship. Yeah, that's what it seemed like to me. Um, Vic National has, especially coming down the stretch, is man, there is a lot of trouble, and it's it's easy to kind of have mistakes compound. Um, it seems kind of visually intimidating some of the holes too. Like I can't imagine having to hit even a wedge or nine iron or eight iron, whatever those guys were hitting into the part three, um, you know, the green seem really small. You have the drive on 18 over water. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it seemed like a minefield, which is kind of cool. I know the only thing we were lamenting a little bit and we were talking to Max Homa, who I, I know you guys had talked to him about the course. Uh, they didn't seem to tuck many of the flags, which, you know, I, I guess it didn't bother me too much, but it would have seemed like they could have made it, uh, you know, it could have been a meaner setup. Um, it seemed like they, they backed off of that maybe a little bit. Yeah. Like I think even the guys that were kind of lighting themselves on fire were still making birdies. It was, it was a mix of birdies and doubles versus, versus like pars and triples kind of thing. You know, an interesting tidbit about the course, a uh, friend of the program, David Marchicelli works closely with two of the guys who built the course, and he said, and you may hear Freddie screaming in the background, he is home from school today and going down for a nap. Um, <laughs> but uh, he said uh, the entire job was built without a set of grading or strategy plans. They were just waving their arms in the field. All the water <laughs> on the site was existing. Nothing was built for golf course water features. Uh, and it was also the first installation of sub-air on all 18 greens at a golf course. Which so, I never would have guessed that. Yeah. Look at the Foz, man. Just trailblazer yeah yeah um well let's talk about tom lewis obviously won i think it was about as dominating uh performance as i can remember he seemed like he didn't seem to to waver at all he seemed so solid Um, yes 68 66 66 65 with a bogey free 32 on the back nine on 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 monday that that's uh in his corn fairy debut had never played in a Corn Ferry event, swoops in and wins the damn thing, going away. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, two-time Euro Tour winner. Actually, a, a two-time winner of the Portugal Masters. Seven years apart, which I, I thought was kind of cool. Uh, he won it for the first time in October of 2011 and then won it last year in, in 2018. So he's got a decision now. I know they, they touched on it a little in the telecast, but he, he has his Euro card and now he's earned his PGA card. Um, so he's a guy who's got to decide, you know, does he stick around stateside and play the, the reach around on the PGA Tour or is he going to head back to Europe? And play the remainder of the uh, the Euro schedule. Which I did you hear? I, I don't know what he's. You no, know, I know, I don't he know had, what he's thinking. I think he had talked to Justin Rose about it a little bit, gotten some some advice. I know Rose had kind of told him, "Hey, this is you know that's a tough deal to keep your card on both both circuits." Um, but God, that's the epitome of first world problems, you know. <laughs> I know. I know. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. I would say you know. Go back over to Europe. Try to a try to clean up while you're still hot. Um, you know, because he's got uh, you know the Euro Tour schedule is getting getting really good here over the next six to eight weeks. Um, yeah. And then you know, but 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 then again, it's like, what do you do? You gotta you know, like the fall series for a tour rookie is is when you gotta when you gotta eat when you gotta get in that reshuffle and all that. So I don't know what I would do if I was him. It's, um, you know, maybe at the end of the year, you know that, like, regardless of how you play on the PGA Tour, you've got six or seven events on the Euro Tour at the end of 2020 to solidify your card if you hadn't played well on the Euro Tour and gotten into WGCs and all that, I guess. So, you know, that seems like a little bit of a parachute at the end of, of it for him. But I don't know. It's a, That's a good question, man. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess Tom Lewis is a name I had known, um, but that's the most I've ever watched him play golf before. Uh, and he just hit the crap out of his driver. It was, <laughs> it was like shocking. So he, he was actually paired with Zach last year when I, when I went over for the Dunhill, he was paired with Zach for the first two days. So I watched him, uh, watched him play with Zach at, um, at Kings Barnes for a full day. And yeah, I mean, it, you could tell like he was just, the talent was there, but he just hadn't quite put it all together. So, um, you know, cool to see him do this. I mean, I, I'm shocked just looking at his Portugal Masters wins too. Uh, the, first, the He shot 70 both times and then just absolutely crushed everybody the last three rounds. Like the second time he won uh, last year, 60, he shot 72, 63, 61, 66 to win by three shots. Jeez. So. You know, but um, but yeah. So that I mean that was exceptionally uh, impressive win, uh, especially on that course. Especially when it, you know it's like you would think that he it's a very American course, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not it's not the kind of thing that he he grew up playing on in England and and you know even even a Heathland course it's very very different from. So um, yeah, that was wild. And then uh, you know going down the leaderboard, you got Fabian Gomez. Um, you know, played exceptionally well. Kramer Hickok, he was already in via his first two final starts. Tyler Duncan played his butt off. Um, David Hearn. Uh, the hitman. The hitman, yeah, who, you know, there's some, you know. You got some, yeah, you got some takes around the hitman. I just I just think he anchors his putter, like, straight up. Like, <laughs> like it's a different conversation, like, whether that should even be a rule or not, but I, I'm. For sure. I'm 
pretty sure he's anchoring his putter. So. I think a lot of guys anchor though, which I don't want him to to yeah be to solely be, called to bear out for the that. brunt of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and I also thought his caddy. I know you had told me you went to the Colonial not this past year, but a, a couple years ago. And I mistakenly, you told me a, an anecdote about a caddy who was flossing his teeth on the tee, just like practicing the best oral hygiene. And I thought that was David Hearn, which got me excited. But then, it, as he told me, it turned out to be Adam Hadwin's caddy. Yeah, another um, Canadian. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it just I was blown away at how volatile everything was with the move from four to three events in the finals. And then also just how, like, there were guys that were projected inside the top 25 after the front nine that didn't even finish inside the top 50 uh you know after the day was over it was it was nuts like you know difference of two or three shots meant you know because like the the point structure is so top heavy too that Mm -hmm. um you know and then but yeah i think biggest i think biggest story on my on my end was chris baker um just seeing him you know do what he did basically Come as close as he did in the in the regular season. Finished twenty sixth. Was there in Portland when he you know missed a putt that would have um, or m- missed a putt for what he thought would have put him towards the cut, and then ended up the cut ended up moving. So it was kind of a moot point. But um, he doubled seventeen, and then he left that lag short on eighteen. And I was like, oh my god, dude. it was like you know it was like six or seven oh. feet short. And you're, I'm like, yeah. oh my god, I know how this ends. This is not good. This is not good. And then, and then just snuck it in the side door. That was awesome. So he, that was one of the worst. Like that, his first putt on eighteen was literally like I've I've hit that putt many times where it's just like, oh my god, what was I like? That's nowhere. That's not close. Yeah, I I, I thought for sure he was gonna three putt. Um, and it's it's uh, crazy because he's so like we played with him a couple times here because he lives in the area down here in Jack's Beach and like he is one of the most pure ball strikers I've ever possibly the most pure ball striker I've ever played with I mean the guy just flushes his driver flushes his irons um, it's a different sound and then yeah like you know, I think he would be the first to tell you just, you know, chipping and putting. That's just his kind of his weak point. He'd be a top 10 player in the world if it was just ball striking. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just cool to see him finally get it done. It's been a, it's been a long time coming. The uh, Monday Q info, the, the Twitter account, love following that guy's stuff. But he said, uh, time for when you see guys cashing big checks on the PGA Tour, don't forget the journey there, stat of the week. Rob Oppenheim, Chris Baker, Scott Harrington, and Vince Cavello all got a card via this season on the Corn Ferry Tour. Combined, they have been to Q School 42 times and had 31 years of no status. Like, no status. Not to, you know, like, no status is like the hinterlands. So, um, you know, it's cool to see guys like that, you know, finally um, break through and, you know, get a shot. Because really, even if you finish... I, mean, I know you got to go out and do it, but even if you finish 160th on the on the you know FedEx Cup standings for the year, you're still making mid six figures on the PGA Tour, mm-hmm. you know. Versus you know you're not doing that, and if you finish first on the Corn Ferry Tour, so it's it's truly life changing. Um, uh, not quite life changing in this case, but pretty cool nonetheless. Uh, and I think you were just obsessed with them all week, as was 
I and a lot of other people. DJ Trahan. Let's talk about him. Yeah, let's talk about him. Well, I became obsessed with him just listening to some of the anecdotes that you were sharing about um, – it sounded like he was just completely leader of the Opus Dei, um, very, uh, very aggressive and uh, self-talker, very hard on himself. Uh, can you share some of that? Yeah, I mean, from guys that he's been paired with this year – you know, they're like, he'll just let off a string of expletives and, you know, what, you know, what the fuck are you doing? Come on, come on. Like, that's, God, you, like, that's fucking terrible. And then, and then he's like, yo, man, how's your family? Like, <laughs> <laughs> your kid's doing all right? Like, it, I guess he just has to get it out, which is awesome. Um, yeah. So I dig it because it's, it seems like it's pretty, you know, it's pretty like inner focused. He's not blaming anybody else. He's not blaming his caddy or a fan or another player. He's just, you know, he's just trying to get himself going and maybe he just needs to get the emotion out of himself to, you know, move on to the next shot. But, um, but yeah, kind of an interesting career arc too. Cause, and, and he looks completely different from how he used to, at least physique wise. Yeah. It looks like he's on some type of, uh, I don't know, P90X or no free ads, I guess. But yeah, he is definitely uh, leaner and slimmer than, like his Wikipedia or <laughs> his old profile pictures. Um, so he, he's maybe he's maybe he's getting in the gym with Scott Stallings or something. Yeah, but I, uh, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, but finished... yeah, he's thirty-eight. He's a journeyman. Um, I was just looking at like his career, like you said, his career arc. Guy hasn't made a cut in a major since two thousand and ten. Um, he's won twice though. He won he, he, on the PGA Tour. He won. Uh, the Southern Farm Bureau Classic back in 2006, and then he won the Bob Hope in 2008. So, I mean, we're talking like more than a decade where, you know, he's he's pretty much been in the wilderness. Which Southern is, Southern Farm Bureau Classic? That's the that's the Chicken Championship now, right? That I believe is the Sanderson. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Crazy. And yeah, I mean, just a you know, seems like an interesting cat. Um, you know, always love seeing some characters out there. Oh yeah, he seems he seems like a very interesting guy. He he would be. We we talk about like going out to a PGA event. He seems like the type of guy who would be perfect to follow for a full round on a Thursday or Friday morning, because yes. you're gonna get some like fun, weird, interesting stuff from him. Hank Lebiota made a putt down the stretch, uh, actually 18th hole. Just dripped it in. That was that was cool to see going back to the PGA Tour. Um, Doug Gim, that was he he really let it fly after he made that last putt. Um, God, that was uh, yeah, that was cool. I was rooting for Doug Gim. I like Doug Gim. I, mean, I, I think everybody likes Doug Gim. He seems like yeah. he's just the nice you know nice cat, like relatively well adjusted. You know. Uh, Dad's a complete alpha. Um, I was going to say, yeah, ever since his dad was caddying for him, I've been a big fan of, of both of them. You know, his dad with the with the cigarillos and all that, it's sweet. And then actually he had, he had uh, uh, Sergeant Major Billy Horschel's old caddy on the bag yesterday too, Micah, Micah Fugit. So, um, and then uh, Joseph Bramlett, you know, I'm kind of torn on this guy because he, 
again, you know, happy for him that he made his that he that he you know he's had a ton of injuries, a lot of back injuries. Um, finished very close regular season, just missed it. Um, but you know, Stanford guy, so seems like a really really nice guy. I've I've watched him play a couple of times. He's slow as shit, so he's gonna he's gonna fit right in out there on the PGA tour. Um, but props to him for getting it done. And then Rob Oppenheim, which you know, it seems like the perennial bubble boy finally got it done um, this year. He was, I think, he was twenty six. I'm not sure. Was he twenty six in the in the regular season? Um, um it seems like he's always around the cut. I feel like you know, he's just, we can just turning go ahead 26. and assume that. Yeah, yeah, we can go ahead and assume it. I think that's I think that's safe. Yeah. But yeah, he uh he got it done. He's he's going back to the tour. Like could not be a nicer guy. So always always cool to see the nice guys make it. Um flip side, some of the guys that didn't make it yesterday, there was, you know, some some tough scenes and some that were just kind of, you know, hey, you played well, but you just missed it by one. Blaine Barber bogeyed three of his last four to miss by a stroke. Um that was yeah, that, that was, was tough, tough to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam Svensson missed by one, but I feel like he played well. Like you know, didn't make bogeys down the stretch. Made I think he was four under on his back nine. So you know that that's kind of the rub of the green. It is what it is. Uh, and it's it's kind of one of those things too. It's like you know maybe it's maybe it was a stroke on on Friday or something like that. It's not like you can come down to. 18 and say, well, if I would have made this putt, it's like, you know, you could say that for any of the strokes. They all add up the same in the finals. Um, Peter Uline, his back nine, he went eagle, par, bogey, birdie, 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 double bogey, bogey on his last nine. So he's going back to the Corn Ferry next year. Seems like a, like there's some really talented guys who lost out this year, which is just like a Harris English, um, and then, you know, and then again, too, like, what do you do? What do you do if you're one of those guys that finished in the 126 through 150? Do you play the split schedule next year? I, I don't. I'm not the one to answer that. I was going to say, are you the wrong guy to ask on that front? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the wrong guy to ask. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, it we'll, seems we'll like out, it seems right? like some of them will, you know, I, I guess that, that, you know, like some of them skipped some of the. Like I know Daniel Berger skipped some of the finals events too, and he, you know, so I guess it's just hey, you know, you know you're gonna get in some of these fall events, make hay in the fall events, reshuffle up, and then kind of go from there and play out of that category, I guess. But um, but it just seems like you're always stuck in no man's land if you don't have, you know, if you're playing part time on both tours, it just seems like right. a, a kick in the nuts. Um, but then again, I guess you know these guys can also rely on. You know, hey, try to try to make hay with the PGA Tour and then get in the top, you know, top 75 for or top 120 or like the 125 to 200 for next year. And then from there, just go, you know, go back to Corn Ferry Finals again. So um, disappointing day for the Doughboy, Marty Doe. Um, You know, he he was another one that like he was up there kind of poking around, could have had a good day. Beginning of the day, he was you know, kind of projected to, to be in the mix there and then fell way, way down the board. Uh, Justin Harding was kind of the tough luck scene of the day. Missed out yeah. by, what, a tenth of a point? Um, yeah, like, uh, what was it? Oh, I had it written down. But, yeah, like a tenth of a point. Essentially, 
what it came down to in the end was Lanto Griffin um, needed to birdie 18 for Harding to get his card. And Griffin stuffed an approach shot to like five feet and lipped out the putt, um, which is sick. But then what's even sicker is you go back and look at Lanto Griffin's scorecard and like he lit himself on fire coming in. He, he tripled 13, bogeyed 14, but then birdied 15, 16, doubled 17 to get himself in this position uh, for Justin Harding's benefit. Um, and so, like, Harding's the 53rd ranked player in the world. Um, that, that, like, that's kind of what I was going to say. I don't, even with Tom Lewis, like, those guys are, it, it's like a prime example of the PGA Tour using the WGCs and the majors as like a gateway drug for these Euro yeah. tour guys to like, you know, Hey, Hey, like you played well in one of the WGCs or one of the majors, like, like Harding, for instance, you know, like, Hey, we'll give you, we'll give you a spot in the corn Ferry finals. And then you got a path to get your tour card kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know? So, it's, well, that's uh, what I was going to say. If I didn't feel as like gutted for him because, you know, he's, he's obviously a world-class player and he has Euro tour status. Um, like, it would have been different <laughs> if he was, you know, like a Chris Baker who, it, like, you know, so much is riding on on getting that PGA status. But um, it was still kind of – it was still kind of sick. <laughs> it was the best drama coming in, too, because I think Lanto was either in the final group or the, the penultimate group. Um, and Lewis was walking away with – like, there wasn't much drama about, like, who would win the tournament, but there was still – uh, that drama about guys getting in, which was which was cool. The, um, the, the thing that we talked about, though, had Griffin made that putt and Harding, Harding would have essentially leapfrogged um, Wierenski and DJ Trahan into the twenty fourth position on on the finals list, and then Wierenski and Trahan would have been tied for twenty fifth, and they were going to give both of those guys cards. And so essentially, they were there were going to be fifty one cards uh, because of a tie for twenty fifth, which, which I think I think you have some some strong opinions there. Well, we were saying I think that was just I think that's disgusting. I think if you're going to award fifty cards, you know, twenty five and twenty five, then you award twenty five cards. I like I was there might not be a bigger like like it would have been the mega playoff to make those two guys go out and play literally for for a PGA Tour card. Um, I mean, it, it is an entertainment business. It's an entertainment business, exactly. And you know, my solution was know. that was that neither guy gets his card, and Drew Love <laughs> automatically gets his tour card. That would have been like the some type of like deep deep protocol um, was enacted, like just. It's like that, the JJ uh, Henry exemption, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, all right, cool. Like, if JJ Henry already has his card locked up, then the next guy up is Drew Love. So, it, yeah, um, which that was cool too. But anyway, that was all averted. The, the only other thing is, what would have been cool about fifty-one guys getting cards in that situation is we were going to do a, a we're going to do a FedEx draft, and we're going to draft all fifty this year. And so it would have been like one guy who didn't get picked who would have been 
the Mr. Irrelevant. Um, but we won't identify that person this year because, like I said, Harding missed out, and so we we have a true fifty for this year. So we'll still we'll still have a Mr. Irrelevant. It'll just be the last pick. But it, like, yeah, it, it would have been be a in the truly traditional like irrelevant. NFL draft. Yeah, yeah. it would have been yeah. It would have been like Mr. Uh, it would have been like the leper, right? Like just nobody touched him. Everybody stayed away. <laughs> Which with Neil in the draft, there's no there's no telling who it would have been. I know. Um, God, it could, be, it could have been like Lucas Glover or somebody like that. could have been, you know. Well, I, I, you know, I don't want to bring up a tough subject for you. Um, let's talk about the shrimp, though. So first of all, I think, I think it's it's not a tough subject for me anymore because I think the shrimp, um, like from my standpoint, the shrimp had an excellent year. He was a he was a very integral part of of the my winning FredX squad. Um, unfortunately, of course, he didn't get his his tour card for next year, uh, and that's tough. But I actually like I liked what you had to say on on Twitter about you know I think. At least two years ago, he was he was exceptional on the on the corn ferry. Two years ago, it was like a cup machine. Um, I think he got a good taste of of the tour this year, and so again, as you said, he, he can go back to the corn ferry, play well, get a lot of confidence, earn his card for next year, and I think come back stronger than ever. Because I think um, with the guys that that don't get off to a good start in the fall, you're behind the eight ball like all year, and then basically waiting around until. You know, until like you got to play well at Punta Cana or, um, you know, kind of one of those like spring or like spring or early summer opposite field events. And then and then you're basically biding your time until, you know, like Canadian Open, Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage. And by that point, it's like the last two months of the season, mm-hmm. you know, so you really got to get it. And there's more fall series events this year, too. So, you know, I imagine uh yeah, I, I'm. I could not be more excited for for the next two or three months of golf. I think it's going to be an absolute sweepstakes. Yeah, yeah. It was tough though. We should say the shrimp uh, doubled sixteen to essentially <laughs> to essentially lose his card, which you hate to see that. It's just crazy how volatile it was. Like Julian Echelin, he was he was in for much of the day, and then he made a triple on fourteen, and he fell to sixty first in the standings. Like it just wild, wild swings, uh, yeah. with the smaller sample size. So, um, yeah. And I think, you know, the broadcast was good other than, I think there was a, there was one little hiccup, uh, with the trip Eisenhower, uh, you know, sushi convo there with Tom Lewis, the, down, the walking interview with the leader who's trying to win the, trying to win the tournament. And he's talking about, the guy's favorite sushi restaurant in uh, South Beach, which that, that was just a little little off kilter, I think. <laughs> you were like, they probably like quarantined him after that. It seemed like he he disappeared a little bit from the broadcast. Um, I think I think the broadcast continues to be excellent. I think I think like this the the corn the the playoffs. Um, I think Golf Channel really shines like during the playoffs. Corn Ferry, um, like the NCAA championships, whenever they they have these kind of stripped down um, broadcasts, and, and they let they, they truly let the golf 
kind of do the talking, right? There, there's so much drama built in where they don't have to fluff anything. They don't have to, you know, you don't have to spend time talking about all this shit that doesn't matter. Um, they just show a lot of golf and, and talk about, you know, what's happening and, and how things are affected. And it, it's, at least for me, it's like it's the perfect formula, I, I think. Yeah, I think they've got, you know, Burkowski does a great job. I like Perks in the booth. You got Chantel doing the interviews. I think she's really done a good job with those. So I think overall it's like it seems like they've got a good crew in place and it's been the same way the last couple of years too where they've, yeah. they've, they've grown year over year. So, um, you know, a few other notes I had in Lauer and Richie. I think Lauer you know, could have had a good week and then he started poking around there a little bit around midday, but I think it was it was always going to be – not enough, you know, too late kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's in good shape going into next year has, you know, I think that's the other thing that's kind of underrated as far as all these guys making the finals. Like at least they have somewhere to play next year. Like some of the guys that they have missed the finals that finished, you know, 75th to I think 75th to 85th or 76 to 85th gets, um, gets uh, through to third stage, which basically gives you, you know, you've got somewhere to play and then from 86 down I think is is kind of a kind of a tough scene from there you know you're going to second stage and really you know I think sec- I'm trying I'm going to try to get to second stage this year and go take a look at that because that seems like it could be the could be the center of the maze as far as hopes and dreams and nightmares and all sorts of stuff um, but yeah so talking about our hitters you know Saxon um, kind of undone by a couple bad holes on Saturday so Saxon, Lauer, they're both back out there. Richie's into third stage. Um, you know, he said second stage at Q school might be the worst thing in the world. So he was super glad to avoid that. Um, and then, you know, friend of the program, Chase Wright, he was minus eight going into the last day. Uh, and then he shot an 82. Uh, That's tough. With a, qu- with a quad on 18. So I hate to see that. Um, you know, and then there was some other stuff, like guys missing the cut you know, uh, on Saturday, guys missing the cut, Jamie Arnold, Kevin Doherty, uh, Curtis Luck, like, you know, just, just on the outside looking in kind of their fates out of their hands once they miss the cut. And and then, you know, it's kind of, kind of gets tough from there to, to really, you know, you just got to sit back and wait and see, see what happens. And they were all, all on the outside looking in. So Mm -hmm. it sucks, man. It's, uh, you know, it's like, it's crazy. It's, It's all these guys livelihoods, you know? And it's like, cool like you're either going to you know you're either going to the Greenbrier like next week or like you're sitting on your ass and just practicing for the next five months yeah like or really you know maybe even more than that because who knows what's going to happen with the Bahamas events now too I was just going to say like the Bahamas might not and I don't say that flippantly like they are I mean the nightmare hurricane path has like it's stalled out right over the Bahamas so I don't even know if there's much video coming out yet of like that, the after effects, but obviously that's, that's wait and see. Um, and then just want to give a shout out to the big diaper, Steve Wheatcroft, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly hanging it up, uh, said, said he was going to retire if he didn't lock down his PGA tour card. So he did not lock down his PGA tour card. So I'm curious to see if he, uh, if he follows through on that, there were similar sentiments last year at, uh, 
<laughs> at the Corn Ferry or the you know Web Tour Championship at the time at Atlantic Beach. But so we'll see. Um, but yeah, and then I think uh, let's go ahead and do the H and B um, stuff. We've got some new stuff dropping in the shop tomorrow. It's kind of a sampling of their spring or sorry their fall uh, kind of late summer early fall uh, 2019 stuff. Some some light grays and light blues and or some, some like light grays and light greens in there. Uh, pumped about that and uh, kind of a mix of we got the we got the cotton stuff, we got the polyester stuff, uh, you know, kind of the the uh, performance stuff. So super stoked to get some of the new stuff in there. We've been just rifling through it every time it hits the shelves, um, and then stoked to see their their 2020 stuff too. I think you're gonna love it, Randy. We literally can't keep those Ward sweaters in stock for those who aren't familiar with holderness and born uh alex and john the two uh namesakes of the company um college friends and and really just started this a few years ago knowing that they were frustrated with the lack of lack of options that they actually wanted to wear on the golf course so took matters into their own hands a little bit like what we did with nlu with like you know podcasts and stuff like that so um they've been a pleasure to work with thus far and uh, been blown away. You've been seeing them pop up in so many different golf shops. They're mostly a green grass operation. Um, so, you know, getting them in your local golf shop, um, you know, talk, talk to your pro or talk to whoever does the sourcing for your club or your, your muni and get them in there. Um, quality stuff, pretty timeless, doesn't go out of style. Like I'm, I'm still wearing the stuff that, I, that the first run of stuff that we did with them three years ago. So, um, you know, just, pleasure to work with and and best guys in the business so yeah amen to that so um all right back to the trap shot so randy should we um should we talk a little bit about these i'm i want you to take me to the senior am <laughs> oh boy um all right well i'll do my best yeah let's talk about it real quick so um the senior am kind of the genesis for why i wanted to go is quite simply because I'd never been. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think we're alike in that amateur golf. There's, there's just something so appealing about amateur golf. It, it you know, this is going to sound corny, but, but it's kind of the, the heart and soul of the game a little bit. Right. Um, it's just a lot of people out there competing, uh, because they want to be there and because they love golf and, and they want to compete against other people. And so this year's, Senior Am was driving distance. It was up in Durham, North Carolina at Old Chatham Golf Club. And it's like a, it's a week-long event, right? And it wraps around the weekend. And so I rolled in on Monday. And so I missed, there, there's two rounds of stroke play um, to cut down to a final 64. And then that 64 is, is match play uh, to determine a champion. So I rolled in Monday night. I missed the stroke play. And I, I didn't see any of the round of 64 matches. So essentially, I, I got on on property starting with the round of uh, 32 on Tuesday morning. And honestly, I didn't have any. I, I didn't know what to expect rolling up to the course. I had applied for a media credential um, just because, you know. And I, I pull up, and it like it couldn't have been more laid back. Uh, you know, in, in hindsight, I, I definitely did not need a media credential, but so I, they, I just wanted to be. Did they credential you? Like, or, or so, yeah, did they just so, yeah, yeah, they granted say... one. Yeah, yeah, they granted one. Um, and 
you know, having been to a U.S. Senior Open, and that's obviously a bigger operation, and of course the U.S. Open's a, a huge operation. So I, I just didn't know, right? Um, but like, it couldn't have been more intimate. Uh, the media room, if you will, um, it certainly wasn't a big standalone tent. It was like this little room in the clubhouse where I just like put my backpack, uh, which was which was great. Um, and they gave me just like a little lanyard. Uh, but, you know, out, of, out at a senior am, which is cool, and uh, I guess I'll touch on maybe later, is there's no ropes. There's no, like, anybody can kind of walk anywhere. So there's there was no special access, right, that a credential gives you. Um, any event. I roll up there Tuesday morning. Um, I really wanted to see Mike McCoy is – you know, we joke like golf Illuminati member, uh, won the mid am, I think like five or six years ago, played in the masters, just an extremely, extremely decorated amateur golfer out of, out of Iowa. Um, he was the top seed and he was playing Tuesday morning. So I caught up with him, um, essentially walked the whole back nine of his match. He was playing this really chatty Canadian, uh, named Pete to temple who was just talking to everybody like at one point he would like turned and talked to me he was like when are you gonna hit your growth spurt um just a, a funny guy um such a homemade game that was the thing that was like so striking is i think mike has this like his game is like at the top of the amateur ranks right like like obviously he's won a mid-am he's competed at the masters um but, but you have guys there who, who truly are just getting their ball in the hole. Um, and it doesn't always look pretty. Um, and, and I think that, like, a little bit of that juxtaposition was, was heartwarming. Um, so the, the first thing that was, like, Tuesday morning, right, I'm following. So these guys are allowed to take carts. You're allowed, you, you can have a caddy and you can take a cart. But what the USGA stipulates, both guys can't be in the cart at the same time. So, really? Yeah. So so if the player's driving the cart, the caddy has to, like, jog behind and catch up. Or most guys would have, you know, send the, send the cart with the caddy, like, up the cart path. And these guys would just walk uh, to their ball most of the time. But you just have this like funny dynamic where you know sometimes the caddy's like chasing after the guy in the cart. Um, what like what's the reasoning there? Just so guys aren't hanging out in their carts all the time, or I, yeah. Um, I, and I asked I, I asked somebody, and their best guess was just to avoid some of the potential um, shenanigans that might go on. Like if you have a scuff ball, you could easily switch it out with your caddy, like in a cart. Um, I think just to just to try to keep things on the up and up, maybe. Okay. Um, you know, th- that might not be the officially stated reason, but that was the speculated part of the speculated reason, maybe. And what like what percentage of guys walked versus taking a cart? So pretty much everybody took a cart. I saw two guys in the round of thirty-two walking. One guy had a caddy who was shouldering the bag, and then the other guy had a caddy who had a push cart. Okay. And then every single other guy I saw had a cart. Anybody out there ask you to caddy? Like, they have a caddy bail on them and then say, yo, Randy, you want a caddy? No, but that would have been so cool. I would have jumped at that. Um, so a couple things, though. Because they're in carts, right, and both guys are in carts, 
some guys didn't have caddies, right? And so, like, they, it was really hard at times to keep up with the match. Because it's just, like, two guys zooming around in these carts. <laughs> and obviously, like, as a spectator, I'm on foot. Um, yeah, like, the pace of play was almost too fast at times. <laughs> to where, you know, I'd be, like, hoofing up the fairway, and these guys are getting ready to shoot, so I, like, have to stop. I'm, like, 200 yards behind them. And I'm like, oh, God, like, I could, like, run up to the green um, just to see these guys putt. So you need to go back next year and like apply for a bike or like a golf board or a Segway or something and just be right. zooming around following these guys on that. Like an electric scooter would have been ideal. Like I, I just could have zoomed around on the path. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was really hard. The other thing that was, um, like very evident early on, like these, like the tea times were super early. So like the first tea time of the day was seven fifteen a.m., which I thought was very on brand for the seniors. Like like it felt like these guys are all retired. The only people out at the course like watching because it's the middle of the week are retirees and, and me. Like it just felt like a fixed income open or something like a fixed income championship. Um. So yeah, so so it took me a little while to like get in the like pace of play. You have to really be on your feet. You got to be ready to walk. Um, the two nines were were pretty, like they were distinct nines, but within each nine, it was kind of easy to get from you know hole to hole, or you could jump from say like the eighth hole to the fourth hole. So each nine was was pretty easy to navigate. So it allowed me to see, you know, more guys, and I can pop in on different matches. Mm-hmm. Um, Are guys posting but, up at the bar afterwards? Um, so what I learned was it seemed like a lot of guys were staying at um, at a hotel on the campus at Duke, and so I went over there Tuesday evening and played a quick round of golf. And then I ran into, I saw some guys um, in the little bar afterwards at the, at the Wash Duke. Um, so, so I think there was definitely, I, I think that was probably the, the bigger like home base. Um, and that was like, I don't know, 20 minutes away from the course. Okay. What was your take um, on Duke? Good. I liked the Duke course. Yeah, it was just very, um, you know, for, for being on campus and Durham's, you know, a, a city, the, the course itself just goes back through the woods. You don't have any houses. Um, it's, it's very much a walk through nature, very open course off the tee box, um, friendly, friendly first shot course. And then most of the strategy and, and difficulties in and around the green complexes and, uh, in the second shots, but the, the whole wash Duke like hotel, and golf course, the whole premises is gorgeous. I would, and the public course, I played for, I think I walked it for 70 bucks, which is a little steep, but you know, you don't have to be a student. It's not private, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, so, so I'd encourage anybody to, to check it out if they're in the area. So going back to the matches, what, uh, what ended up happening with McCoy and just kind of who were you most taken by? Yeah, so um, McCoy won that first match. He beat the Temple, um, and I wanted to get a look at a guy by the name of Jeff Wilson, who was the 2018 champion, was playing. He is super long, uh, relatively, and so he's a guy who 
out of college, like tried to make it on the mini tours and, and tried to have a go as a professional. And I guess, you know, sometime ago got his AM status reinstated. Uh, so, so he's a little bit of a, I didn't talk to him personally. I'm sure he's a great guy, but he was a little bit of a, a heel character for me. Um, kind of this guy who was quasi-professional now uh, beating up on, on some older AMs. Um, but he, he, he hits the crap out of the ball. He made a deep run, um, ultimately lost in the in the Final Four. Um, but yeah, I, I was trying to follow uh, McCoy that first day and just see as many people as I could. So I saw like Lewis Lee was playing Jeff Wilson. Those were two former champions. That was, that was a really good match. Um, I saw, uh, sorry, I'm just going through my notes. I, I tried to check in on, um, so McCoy was the stroke play medalist, but he tied with two other guys. Um, one of the guys, Doug channel was playing. So I got a little look at him. He had like, you know, like the tennis elbow, the golfer elbow contraption on, um, real, that. real, just homemade swing. Yeah. So, so Tuesday was just like a lot of bouncing around for me, trying to kind of put, put faces to names. Um, and then I, I said, I played Duke Tuesday evening. And so I come back out to the course Wednesday and now, you know, cause they're playing two rounds every day. So Wednesday morning then is already the, the quarterfinals. It's the round of eight. Um, and, I, I was watching uh, Brady Exper and Jeff Wilson. So I talked about Jeff Wilson. Brady Exper is actually, um, his dad was a Las Vegas casino mogul. And he is a uh, minority owner of the Houston Astros. So I think, you know, probably has all the money. Um, but just kind of uh, menaces the, the amateur golf ranks out of, uh, I think he lived in Las Vegas. Um, who was the dude from Boston you were telling me about? Oh, Bud Schultz? Yeah. Yeah, Bud Schultz. So I didn't get to see Bud Schultz, but his reputation preceded him. Um, he was a guy who was a tennis player, former professional tennis player. Um, it was like as high as number 40 in the ATP rankings at one point, like I think in the 80s. And it is like somewhat new to golf and <laughs> at least certainly like competitive golf. Um, like, like new being like the last few years, like last, like I heard like years. the last eight. Yeah. Like the last maybe six, eight years, um, is, is now a golfer. He got through out of, um, Catansic club, I think up in, okay. You, you would know, is that Massachusetts? Mass- or? Ma- yeah. Massachusetts. Actually, they've got the, I think the 20, uh, 2022 senior am is at Catansic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just a super interesting guy. I, you know, hiked the Appalachian Trail on his own. He's actually, I, I think we're going to do a trap draw with him. Um, he's playing in a Massachusetts amateur event this week, but hopefully we'll record um, something next week. Uh, just, just a really interesting character. Has a lot of stories. Um, has played Charles Schwab's private course out in Hawaii. Uh, is. I think that'll be a good one. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that will, uh, that will come together. The other guy who I ran into, he was just out on the course that I wanted to shout out. Um, was a guy named, uh, let me make sure I have his name, right. A guy named Norm Bradley. 
he's Canadian, I think from Western Canada, like Vancouver area. And I saw him on Wednesday morning. And the reason I got talking to him, he asked, it was just kind of the two of us walking. And he was like, hey, would you mind taking a picture for me? He was like, I, I didn't get one um, while I was playing. And I was like, oh, you were playing? He's like, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I was like, congrats. You know, have you ever played in one of these before? He's like, no, it was my first one. It's like, oh, that's awesome. He was like, yeah. He's like, it could have been a little bit more awesome, though. Um, the airline lost my bags. And so this guy qualifies for a senior amateur, first time he's ever played. You know, you can imagine flying from Canada, so excited, gets in. His, his clubs never arrive. So he's got to play the first round, um, as it turns out, first round in the rain with a with a rental bag, all rental equipment. Um, shoots an 86, oh. which he was like, I just, like mentally he wasn't in a good place. He was like, it just was like a bad round of golf. Um, and then he shot a 78 the next day. I think his clubs may have arrived for his second round. Okay. Um, but he was like, by that time I was out of it. Uh, but anyway, he, he stuck around for a few days and he was out walking, watching some of the matches and I, I took some pictures of him. So at least he'll have, uh, some memories that way. I'll but, ask you offline who, what, what airline he was flying. What airline? Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. like, I'm, I'm airing him. I'm like, yeah, you better, they better make that right for you. Um, so yeah, Port Norm Bradley, um, didn't even get to play with his own bag. I think I'm trying to think of other like uh, stories. Oh, the other, the only other one was there was a nine for three playoff for the last three spots in the match play, and one of the guys in the playoff was Marvin Giles, who, after some research, I think might be the, the like the goat. Yeah, I, I think yeah, Vinny Giles. The... Yeah, man, he's yeah. he's uh, he's got a, a pretty outsized reputation as just like Illuminati figure. Yeah, uh, he might be the head of the Illuminati. Um, but it's crazy, man. He was 76 years old and was a stroke away from, from qualifying for match play. Um, and, and this is like, you got to be 55 years or older to play in the senior am. So, you, you know, he's, oh, so he's given up. 55. I was thinking it was 50 plus. It's 55. Yeah, no, it's 55. Is this in the senior opens 50, right? Yeah, correct. Why, why and, the, and like the Champions Tour is 50. Why the difference? I don't know. I don't know, but it, it does just add like, you know, that like 40 to 54 age range is you're kind of in purgatory as, as an AM for most of these guys. Uh, what um, does, like, what would you say out of the guys, what would you say they're best at you? Like, are they all just, just insane inside of, you know, a hundred yards? I thought I would, I, I thought they were most impressive driving, driving the golf ball. Um, now, Old Chatham had pretty generous fairways. Like, it wasn't a super tight course. Um, it was much more of a second-shot course. Um, and I would say it was just very rare to see these guys miss a fairway. And then, you know, they, they just were not spraying the ball. Mm-hmm. It was like the prototypical 260 down the middle. Yeah. Um, and so many of them, you know, they're, they're, they're hitting so many greens and then it's like, can they make a putt? Uh, and some guys can, some guys made more than others. Um, but I think, I think the real strength was just in the consistency of their ball striking and essentially like hitting the ball straight. 
and then where the separation was was in length right guys guys able to hit it further um and then you know guys able to hit it a little higher so you know you like like a guy like mike mccoy um hits the ball a long way compared to you know a lot of other ams and so he's got less yardage he's hitting his you know his approaches in higher getting it to stop a little quicker that sort of thing um so so going going to kind of the last few matches down the stretch what was the what was the deal there yeah so um it was uh i i i became a fan of roger newsome dr roger newsome so the final four you had dr roger newsome who is an ophthalmologist out of uh, out of Virginia? He was playing Rick Cloninger, who lives in Georgia. I guess had lived in South Carolina forever. Um, just has cleaned up a ton of amateur. Very well known Southeast amateur guy, Rick Cloninger. Um, and then in the other match, you had Bob Ro- Royak, who's out of Alpharetta, um, and against Jeff Wilson, who was the defending champ, and Wilson's from California. And so in that first match, um, they were great final four matches. Uh, Newsom was actually uh, one down on the 16th. And it was like the first time, it, it was just, it was crazy because you, you kind of see guys start to, like the pressure, get to them a little bit. Or maybe they're tired, maybe it's some combination. Um but Cloninger was like so steady all day against Newsom uh, until he gets to about 13, and then he, he misses drives left on 13 and 14. Um, he escapes. He actually wins. Uh, he wins 15, with, like out of position. Um, so it's like it, the the match kind of started going back and forth. But then 16. Makes a mess. Newsom wins 16. They have 17 with, with pars, which is a par three. Uh, they both hit really good shots, but but miss putts. And so they're going to 18, all square. And uh, Newsom blows his. He actually misses his drive right, and it, and it hits in the bunker, but pops out. And it's almost like in Wolfhammer, he was like, you know, like, like taint eligible. But he had this perfect lie in between two bunkers. Um, Cloninger kind of scrapes one off the tee, misses the green, uh, short sides himself, has a difficult pitch, uh, plays a really delicate shot and it just like grabs, um, in the Bermuda grass, uh, and doesn't release onto the green. And so like that match I wrote down in my notes, it was like, it was like two feet, like swung that match. Newsom's drive getting out of the bunker and sitting up nicely in the grass for his approach shot. And then Cloninger's little pitch shot around the green, like another foot, and it rolls out. Um, you know what they call that? It's the rub of the green. It's the rub of the green, for sure. It was it was absolutely the rub of the green. So anyway, Newsom makes par. Cloninger misses his – he had kind of a uh, lengthy par putt then. Um, and, and so that match was one up, which was a good match. And then the other semifinal, uh, Royak – like neither guy Wilson and Royak um, like the match wasn't neither guy had more than a one-up lead all day and it went to 21 holes finally uh, Royak won that one and so the final was was Bob Royak 
um, against Roger Newsom. It's just like, like right? They could just be every guys, you know. They're like they're they're just such archetypes for just senior amateurs. Um, and it was a, it was a great finals match. Um, and they play eighteen in the final. Yeah, it was just it was just eighteen. Um, again, nobody had more than a one up lead. Royak was was one up most of the front nine. Newsom tied it on nine. Uh, took a brief one up lead early. Uh, Royak comes back, takes a one up lead after thirteen, uh, and they both start getting a little squirrely. Then um, they have fourteen, have fifteen, have sixteen. And then on 17, the par three again, uh, Newsom makes par, Royak makes bogey. So they're all square on 18 uh, with the championship on the line. Newsom pumps his drive right down the middle. Royak kind of he finds the fairway, but it's much shorter. Like Newsom has like 40 yards on him. So Royak hits first into the green, comes up short. Um, total advantage for Newsom and like one swing man it just was a bad iron and short and left and so he gives the advantage away Newsom chips up he's got to play first um he's coming from a little bit of a more difficult angle to the pin and the ball just doesn't roll out stays like 18 feet short Royak hits his pitch a little easier angle up to like five feet Newsom misses his putt so he's in for five Royak has the five footer to win and uh, and drains it, but it was um, just a lot of back and forth. It was a great match. It, it was really fun to watch. It was it was pretty good golf with like just enough of like you could tell like there's pressure, right? Like this is mm-hmm. this is a huge deal, um, and so that manifested a few times. Uh, but but it, no nobody nobody really lost it. Um, Royak won it, which was which was good. Uh, All right, a couple of questions for you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you you could ever get your game to the point where you could qualify for the senior am? I don't think I, I like if I'm being truthful. I don't know if I could ever qualify, but I certainly I think a stretch long term goal would be to get a handicap where I would not feel guilty about going to like a senior am qualifier. Mm-hmm. I, I think that would be um, that would be fun because it's just it's like it's crazy when you hear about a guy you know not and granted he's a world class athlete but not having taken up golf until he was you know well into his late forties or early fifties and then basically starts to qualify for the national championship in in his age bracket it just blows my mind um, yeah and I'm like, I know Dude, I'm like shit man I've been playing this game my whole life and you're like you're already light years ahead of me it's wild (laughs) and i mean you gotta like butt schultz is who you're talking about but like he was obviously a world-class athlete like you don't get to 40th ranked tennis player in the world you know he must have superb hand-eye coordination you know body control all that stuff but in mind too to you know yeah hike the at by himself kind of thing so uh, yeah. and then next question, what's, all right. So you've been to the, you've been to the senior open, you've been to the senior and what's your next USGA event? Um, great question. I've never been to a mid-am. I, I would love to go to a mid-am. I'm not going to be able to get to, I'm not going to go this year. I, I think the next, 
progression, the natural progression for me would be the U.S. Senior Women's Open would yeah. be one that I think would be a lot of fun because you get, you know, you, you get the professionals, but then you get the the best of the best amateurs who have qualified for the for the Senior Women's Open. So you got that at in Fairfield, Connecticut next year at Brooklawn Country Club. You got the U.S. Senior Am at Country Club of Detroit, kind of a swanky place up there. Um, mm-hmm. U.S. Senior Open at Newport Country Club next year, which will be freaking sweet. Uh, I was gonna say that's that's the 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 low key like you know the U.S. Open is is obviously one thing the U.S.A.M. but some of these quote unquote like lesser or, or less pre- not less prestigious but the ones we're talking about that they play at some awesome tracks yeah like the 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 2021 schedule the walker cups at seminole uh the u.s senior open is at omaha country club um the u.s women's am is at westchester the u.s am is at oakmont the u.s senior am is at the honors and the u.s mid am is at sankety head and maya comet out on nantucket (laughs) which 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 might be the the ultimate you know just the perfect place for uh you know for mid-ams to like congregate you know yeah 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 well what's the one you want to go to let me let me put it back on you i think i mean next year i'm so keen to go see the usam at bandon um yeah that'll be awesome um i really want to get to the u.s women's am i haven't been to that one yet um i'm also like i want to go see the u.s girls junior just because yeah like, like i'm really curious to see and you know been to the been to the junior players and some you know some kind of big time ajga events but going to like the u.s girls junior like the last couple rounds of that i think would be really cool because you're seeing you know everything from 17 and 18 year old you know 17 year olds trying to you know who are going to be freshmen in college next year some of them are probably playing against 11 and 12 year olds who are you know just starting the game but are like exceptionally good really at a really young age so to see kind of how those things square up, I think would be cool. Um, yeah, and then I think the U.S. U.S. Senior Women's Am. I think there's probably some characters out there too. Oh, for sure. That for would sure. be that would be up there. Um, I almost look at the U.S. Women's Open Senior Open as like the gateway then to you know the, the next one after that would be the Senior Am. Yeah, it's like a gateway drug, you know. <laughs> so did <laughs> at, so at any point during the week did anybody like ask you like what the hell are you doing here man like like are you just watching <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well i would talk to like some volunteers just you know making small talk and they'd be like what yeah what, what are you what are you doing i'd be like oh well i'm you know i'm i would say well i'm here i'm, I'm covering the event and they'd be like oh who are you with and i'd tell them no laying up and you know most of the older folks god bless them they they don't know that and so i you know, they'd ask what's that, and anyway, it would eventually be like, well, so like, what do you do? Like, why did you come here? And like, I'd just be like, well, because I wanted to, and like, that was that was kind of like where every conversation ended. And I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that, well, that's neat. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, that's that's fun. Um, they must have thought I was like, I, I don't know. I, like a like a deadbeat or I, I'm not sure I'm not sure I, I just got some like 
Oh, okay. Well, have a good day. <laughs> huh. um, God, good stuff, man. We need to. I'm keen to go to one of these with you. I feel like it always it always helps because like like being at the USAM this year, like going up, I was like, God, like this is such a cool vibe, such a cool event. You know, yeah. just like walking around, like you know, drink some beers at the end of the day with some of the competitor, just that sort of thing. And it's like having somebody to share that with is cool. So. Um, for sure yeah but uh anything else um no i would just as as always i would encourage folks you know the the thing that really was driven home to me um going to the senior am it's it's you can get so close to the action it's it's so intimate I, i would just encourage people like they play these qualifiers it doesn't have to be a senior AM qualifier. It can be a, a USAM qualifier. Um, there's so many tournaments that are close by to folks. Uh, if you have a free day, it's fun just to go out and, and experience it and walk the course. Um, so I just encourage people to, to check out, you know, the, the USGA and, and all these sites and, and schedules and, and, and to get involved that way. Um, and I will, I've taken shots at the USGA, um, and I think rightfully so over some stuff, but I, I, I do want to say that they, they put on, they make the tournament, they, they give the tournament a gravitas and a, and a weight that, that is pretty cool. Um, it's like befitting like this, of a national championship. Exactly. Like the signage is really cool. They have the trophy out there by the first tee. Um, you know, the, the, the caddy bibs, the pin flags, they get a lot of details right um which which makes an event like this uh it it feels like a big deal so i I do want to give props to the usga any any conversations with the volunteers about how i did have some conversations uh i actually have a close family friend that volunteered uh i i want to i want to make sure i get all the facts straight so i'm debriefing with him i may i want to write up some of my thoughts and and kind of put them in a more formal, um, coherent, uh, laid out piece. And so I want to get the details from him before I, before I make any statements, but I I did have some well-placed sources. Let's just say that. Which just for listeners, (laughs) we won't get into it, but just for listeners, Randy's taken exception to the fact that they they sent out, uh, an email earlier this year when the, when the U S women's four ball was at Tim Aquana here in Jacksonville, sent out an email about getting volunteers and, yeah, you got to pay a couple hundred bucks for what meals and a shirt, basically. Yeah, and it varies by event, but yeah, you, you pay usually a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks, and yeah, they were advertising like, yeah, you get a shirt. We'll we'll give you some meals, and you know you can come out to the tournament and watch the tournament. Like, oh god, well, like the dirty senior, like the senior am, like you don't need a ticket, right? So there's like <laughs> there's no ticket to buy. Um, <laughs> There's there's hardly any concession stand. So anyway, I I, I took come. offense to, to making come. volunteers yeah, yeah pay for the right to volunteer. That something about yeah. that just inherently rubs me the wrong way. So yeah, yeah. more to come. But I, I do want to say that the USGA put on a nice event. They 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 did it justice. And for the folks who are so inclined, there's two more USGA events this year. U.S. Mid-Am out at Colorado Golf Club, and then one of the stroke play rounds is at Common Ground, uh, where we just had our event, September 14th through 19th, and then the U.S. Women's Mid-Am, those same dates in Flagstaff. 
at Forest Highlands yeah. Golf Club. So get out there because, yeah, it's it's truly uh, what golf's all about, you know, kind of people playing for the love of the game, not to sound too corny, but, um, but yeah. Um, one last housekeeping note I had, Randy, was just I just wanted to give a shout-out to everybody over in Switzerland that was standing on top of the roof. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at uh Kron in Kron, Switzerland. Uh, Kron Sur Sierra. I think were, I don't know. I probably butchered that. They're standing standing on the roof in the Hall of Fame at the Omega European Masters. I know that's that's an event that's held a, a spot in our heart for a little while. I I think one of these years that that would be uh, aspirational to get over for for that event. I think that one in the uh trophy Hassan duh. Yeah. The, the, those two on the Euro Tour slate. So definitely um, which yeah so we'll we'll be popping back in uh i think you've got a couple guest ones lined up for trap draws and then uh and then yeah i'm sure we'll do some euro tour stuff here and some fall series stuff down the stretch here as we get into kind of the meat of the fall upcoming here this is like one of my low-key one of my favorite times of the year for golf because it's just like yeah you're watching because you want to not because you're you know, not because you feel like you you have to, and like all the top players are playing, but you're really not that interested in the tournament. Yeah. No. The only other thing, um, the FredX will be the next big. Oh, we'll, we got to draft the FredX um, for the. We're, we're going a lot deeper season. this year, which you know that'll be crazy. We're going going to, you know, all fifty guys. So last year we only did thirty. So yeah. it'll be it'll be ten rounds this year, which, you know, I. I'd like to just give a shout out to my squad. Four out of my six guys got their card going into next year. I think that's a that's a testament to the kind of program that that we had going. So, yeah, you're you're grad, you're, you're a you know you're a factory. Yeah, you know, granted we finished. I think we finished fourth out of five guys. Uh, we clipped Neil by a couple hundred thousand, but uh, but yeah, just you know, and obviously I'm talking to the champ here. Listen, listen, come on. When's your pizza party? When are you going to do your pizza party? Well, I think logistically, we got to figure that out. Um, I'm going to go with my guys, maybe uh, send out, what, see what dates work for them, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Because, yeah, I mean, yeah. You, like, you almost have guys that, that you know, played so well that, that they're not going to be playing the Fall Series events, like Max. I know, you know? I know. He's going to play in the Zozo and the, the – cj cup and all those so like he won't be at sea island so that's a that that, that like that that's got to be a concern you know when these guys will all be in one place together listen i'd be lying if i said it wasn't a concern i i yeah i don't know it's a good problem to have it's a problem but it's a good problem to have just like so. having your tour card on on both sides of the atlantic exactly exactly it's just all about logistics at that point so um, all righty. Well, good stuff. I think we've, we've gone, gone a while on this one. So anybody that's still with us, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're ride or die folks. Uh, and thanks to our partners, Holderness and Born for supporting good independent content. And stay safe down there, Tron, with the hurricane. I hope, um, I hope the water don't rise. Thanks Randy. Thanks Randy. I appreciate that. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll be driving over, checking on the kill house uh, before the curfew starts tonight. So. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right, man. Talk soon. Good stuff. Crack All on. Crack on. Max is the spot for that trap draw. Hey. Hey.
why I kept that strap. Yeah. I remember nights. I didn't remember nights. I damn near went crazy. I had to get it right. Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper. The absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who me? I'm